is Passion for Your Passions, a podcast about what makes life worth living. I'm Julie. And I'm Krista. And on this episode, we have a special guest. Hi, I'm Luke, the reoccurring mystery guest. Today is our Earth Day special where we are talking about gardening and all things Earth Day. Yes, I worked really hard to get this episode in, okay? We were supposed to be on Fridays. I do also like how it was our episode. Like, this is now a three-person <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I don't know why that was in my line. I just read what was on the thing. Yeah, You're fine. just as much as a part of this as we are. Yes. <laughs> Minus the editing. Watch me become an absolute terror when it comes to horticulture. Uh, We're ready for it. I <laughs> have been telling Julie that I am... Um, Ever since I have started back at school, uh, <laughs> and, well, and all of the fun things. You're sassy me about plants I didn't put there. <laughs> I, I walked, I literally pulled up to Julie's yard and was already like, that's gotta go, that's gotta go, we gotta fix this, we're gonna prune that, all right. Go at it, like, I've tried to kill a lot of these. <laughs> I'm like, game plan, we're gonna make one, and we're gonna, we're gonna take action on it. Okay, so... The thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, Persona 5, just so everyone knows, is a 120-hour game, almost minimally. (laughs) I have now played this game two times, and I now want to play it again. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Please (laughs) help me. I have problems. I need a new hobby, like gardening. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Cold open over (laughs) Julie, Julie segued already. She said garden. That's it. Did That's you play it. Forget Persona. Royale? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I played the first one. It wasn't Royale. Now I've played Royale. And now I, I pretty much want to keep playing it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think now it's just stuck in my brain forever. I don't I know. I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> it is a great game. So now I'm playing Horizon Forbidden West, and it's it's just it's not the same. It's not filling the hole in my heart. It's so good though. I haven't played it. It's so good though. I haven't. Played I it. am enjoying the story. It. I am enjoying it. Don't give. Me, I'm not saying it like I'm not enjoying it. It's just I think that I have now played like close to 300 hours of Persona, and it's just burned <laughs> into me. Holy hell. <laughs> She has become Persona 5. Yeah. I'm now an anime person. That's fair. By default now. Look, okay. One of the things I will say that really does crack me up about Persona, and then we can move on, is it's always about, like, hot teenagers. Like, everybody who's in the group, there's no ugly person. They're just hot. Which is just, it just really cracks me up. Because it's like, you okay, create yeah, your own world. Why wouldn't everybody be society hot? or, you know, whatever the uh, the thing Atlas is plugging at the moment. But it's like, no, they have to be attractive, though. <laughs> That's important. That's fair. <laughs> it is. If you could create your own society, why wouldn't everybody be hot? Well, I didn't say I guess... everybody was hot. It's just the people in the main group. <laughs> the people that matter. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody else doesn't really have their face detailed, so you can't really tell. 
There you go. That's what the world really is anyway. <laughs> Though I will say, Krista, you did say on the anime episode that you do like absurd animes. And what is more absurd than a hot group of friends going into a different reality fighting their teachers? Question mark? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's well, like Sucker okay, Punch, so but not really. Here's oh the other thing that really cracks me up that about movie. Persona, right? Is I don't really like the story that much. Which is, is definitely weird it. for me because I'm a hours story person. Like the story's not bad; it's just not very good. I guess is the way I would put it. There's definitely low points in the story, like especially sure. towards the end, because towards the end it gets to a point where it's like, "What the fuck is happening? <laughs> what is the story anymore?" <laughs> it's like Bayonetta; you're just there for the pretty visuals and the music. Yeah. And, you know, so that way I can live my life as a teenager in Japanese school system. <laughs> Fair. Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> I wish we got stretch breaks here in America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I do wish I was a Japanese school age person. For some reason, they make it seem like it's the best. <laughs> I've heard it's pretty grueling. <laughs> I've heard it's really intense. That's why they have to keep making these games and shows is because the reality is horrible. So they're like, let's daydream as if it weren't. They're like, you'll you'll be hot, maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe you have to daydream about being a Japanese high schooler who also gardens on the side. That seems like a very Japan thing to be. Right. So is this how you started with gardening? Were you a Japanese schoolgirl who daydreamed about yes, other things? Actually, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a schoolgirl yet, but I, little oh, did I know, I was well on the path, <laughs> headed full steam ahead, straight into that journey. Um, but not just a regular schoolgirl, a Japanese schoolgirl. <laughs> a Japanese schoolgirl. You know, to be completely honest with you, uh, Japan is like one of the leaders in um, botany and in horticulture. And also uh, Japanese like schoolgirls. But also, so it all yeah, ends up. <laughs> I think they're not real Japanese schoolgirls unless they come from Japan, right? right. So I mean, it's like champagne. <laughs> it's not really champagne not really unless champagne. it comes from champagne. the champagne region in France. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure when I was a schoolgirl, you wouldn't have called me a Japanese schoolgirl. That would have been weird. <laughs> Maybe at heart. You know, to be completely honest, I don't think I would have ever called anyone a schoolgirl. No. <laughs> being square no <laughs> student. Completely you are a student i don't even think i would have called, maybe i like i occasionally throw the word peer out there as a but i'm like person, classmate yeah student. that i go yeah. to school with i don't know i guess there's a I, word i spend a lot of time calling people dudes and guys and it's not, it's not <laughs> anything. Like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's, like, a good term to call a group of people other than dudes or guys. <laughs> All of my friends, we say bruh, like, really uh, ironically. And now it's just part of our conversation. So I literally get texts that are like, bruh, like, all typed out. Wow. And in my friend group, we call each other sis. <laughs> See? This yeah. is the difference. <laughs> the same, the opposite. <laughs> Well, Same vibe every day. Back, getting back to gardening and earth. Yes. <laughs> I know. We can act like plants. Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. 
welcome to Gardner's World. Why is April? Whilst April weather can make fools of us all, you cannot now deny that spring is truly here. <laughs> so how did it start? I guess for both Luke and Julie, because you guys are both really into gardening. I'm kind of a noob, just to throw that out there. Well, I already had my whole spiel about gardening, so now it's Luke's turn. Okay. To shed the light on the beginnings. It's all Julie's fault. <laughs> it always is. I mean, to be... I do a lot. <laughs> yeah, to be completely... Actually, her and her mother's fault. Um, you mean Monty Don's fault. <laughs> well, Monty Don's fault. Yeah, it, yeah. Julie and I do this thing, and she does this thing with, like, a lot of people, so I guess it's, like, not super It started special, with us. But, yeah, it did start with us. Um, she does this thing where we'll, like, spend a weekend together, and in May of last year, this is why it's kind of important to have that willpower. See, you overcome your obstacles. Um, we spent a weekend, Memorial Day weekend of last year together, and we had Studio Ghibli weekend, where we cooked a lot of good food, and we spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, I hung out with her mom, and we talked about her garden stuff, and I think ultimately, so this was at a point where I was working at Anthem. I was working in health insurance of all places. Uh, and I just wasn't happy. I was working from home and that was kind of all right, but I just wanted something different and I wanted something that I felt was going to be fulfilling. And I wanted something that whatever it was that I did, that I was going to help make a difference. Um, you know, one of my, God, this isn't like going to make my parents sound awful. I swear to God, they're not that terrible. Um, (laughs) uh, so my dad and I, you know, we kind of go around and, uh, he actually posed, the question to me about like climate change and the environment and politics and stuff like that. He was like, what are you going to do about it? And that actually really played a big role in why I decided to get into horticulture. So I guess to clarify, Julie was the catalyst. Uh, my dot, my, my dad, my dad <laughs> gave me the question to answer and it all sort of just weirdly lined up. So I enrolled in school um, probably about a month after our weekend that we spent together and I enrolled in sustainable horticulture. That's actually what I'm currently getting my degree in, uh, as well as I'm actually double majoring sustainable horticulture and landscape horticulture. Haven't decided if I'm going to get a third one for turf grass. Um, I don't really like turf, but <laughs> I get the point of it. Listen, I, the, I told you I'm going to be a terror. The amount of information that I'm about to dump on you all. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but just, the earth I needs it. I'm amazed so. that you can get a major in, in turf grass. Yeah, turf grass management. Uh, golf course management is like a really lucrative business, um, which is kind of stupid because they like cut down a lot of trees. But I don't know. Grass is really cool. I met um, in one of my classes. I met. I've not heard a nerdier statement in a while. <laughs> grass is like really cool, though. It is cool, but like you have to like understand grass. Well, before you move on too much with this, I do want to kind of get, like, a basic definition out there. Can you describe what horticulture is? Like, what it means for somebody who might not know? The dictionary definition is the art or practice of garden cultivation and management. So, like, the study of plants and then, like, the implementation of plants in a landscape. Which, I guess I should also say that I am planning on going forward into botany. Um, Plant research is really what I want to get into and back to my why I got into it is because I do want to do it in an effort to fight climate change. Um, I do have some sad facts I'm going to throw out at you. I am really 
really sorry, but it just comes with the territory. Um, however, however, there is always like a silver lining, like light at the end of the tunnel sort of mentality in this industry, which is really cool. Um, and where we live, believe it or not, it's one of like the top horticulture areas in the world. Uh, well, not in the world. I would say, say and, what? I mean, kind of actually, kind of. Nope. Based upon certain things, but most definitely in America. Um, the program that I'm currently enrolled in, I don't know if I should say this, but it is uh, the like top, it's 14. It's like number 14 on the top list of schools for horticulture. Um, and the program is actually really intensive. You do have to get, I mean, I guess it's like not that crazy, but you do have to get like a 75, like overall, like a C to pass the entire program. So, like, if you, like, get a D or fail a class, you have to retake it. Um, it's very intensive, which is really neat. Um, it's, like, I feel like I'm, like, doing plant surgery, well, surgery or something like that, <laughs> like, being a doctor, where they're, like, no, you have to be able to pass this. Right. Um, you have to be it, able to save that oak tree. Exactly. <laughs> you to. Do you know what iron chlorosis is? Because <laughs> I do now. Um, yeah, That I tree is dying. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's, it is really crazy because, and I was telling Julie this, um, once you, you or one as an individual has their eyes open to like what species are out there and are able to like identify it, it's really kind of sad seeing all of the invasive species that are around in our area and not just in our area. So we went down to North Carolina as a school. Um, I competed in the NCLC, which is the National Collegiate Landscape Competition. Um, it's sponsored by like a bunch of people like Steele, John Deere. I mean, like the big guys, Davy Trees, Bartlett Trees, all these people. Um, and that's actually, I'm wearing a Davy, t- a Davy Tree t-shirt that says trees are the answer because they are. Um, also, I felt it was appropriate for an Earth Day <laughs> podcast. Right? Just not the invasive um, ones, though. No, no, definitely not. Um, Those are the enemy. (laughs) Those, yes, those are the enemy. Though there is, like, a moralistic question, I guess, with, like, everything. Like, if you were to, like, essentially commit genocide to a species, like, what does that do to a listen? It's the give and take. It's the idea of the same thing when you think of, like, a diet when you have some sugar. It's like, yeah, if I have a small bowl of ice cream, that's probably okay. If I plant a couple of these trees that don't technically belong here... Sure, but it's all about the control and, like, when people put bamboo in places, I'm like, you idiots! Like, so, you okay. can't control that! Like, that's not all right. Okay. So, this is going to be my first gotcha question, and I am going to mention it in, like, True Passion for Your Passions podcast uh, style. Segway. Um, <laughs> Segway. Segway. Um, so, bamboo is not invasive. To here? To anywhere. What? So bamboo is not invasive. It's actually a misconception. Um, you can go to pretty much any horticulturalist and they'll tell you this. And this is why. It takes about 100 years for any one bamboo species to produce a flower. And what happens is, is after it flowers, well, it puts all of its energy into flowering. And then the whole species dies off. So then it all goes to seed. So the way there are two, technically two types of bamboo, you have your um, runners and your clumpers. So your runners are the ones that shoot out like rhizomes and they sprawl. And then your clumpers, which we have a native clumper. I think it's a clumper. If I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. Um, please don't 
judge me too harshly. Uh, <laughs> Kentucky River cane is native to the area. Mm. Um, and it's it's pretty, like, dense. It's pretty grassy, almost. Uh, it still has, like, a true cane, and it still has, like, all the features of bamboo. But in order for something to be invasive, it is pervasive. Okay. It is pervasive. It is It is relatively an aggressive plant because it does spread pretty readily. It's that and how much water it takes. So then it'll take water from the neighboring It can, yeah. Plants. It can. Yeah. Um, it is a grass. However, they do use, in a lot of places, bamboo as, like, erosion control. Um, yeah. It is one of the things, I mean... Well, the argument could be said for the erosion control is that a lot of our invasive species are that from where, like, they used we to were yes. mass, like, cutting things down, and then they were like, I wonder what we could do to fix this. Let's plant katsu and yes. honeysuckle. That'll no, very control bad. the erosion. And it's like, why yeah. did you do this? Very so, bad. Yeah, unfortunately, amber honeysuckle. if something is invasive? Because, you know, I think that there's a lot of different ways that you could look at this. Like, you look at some place like Japan or China or, you know, a place that has bamboo. It's all over there and it's fine. You're, yeah. Why is it not fine here? So, um, well, it, it is. But the thing is, when you classify something as invasive, one, it has to readily, like, seed. It has to be able to pollinate itself or be pollinated in some way and seed, like, aggressively. So you're looking at things like the Next. Norway maple. Mint can, yeah, mint can grow pretty readily out of control. Um, Bradford pear, calorie pear, that's, like, the big one that you see. Amber honeysuckle, um, <laughs> which is bush honey, well, a form of a bush honeysuckle, because there are many. Um, you also have things like lacebark elm, um, that's, or they call it, like, a Chinese elm. Um, Ulmus parvifora. <laughs> no, wait, parvifol. That sounds like a weird French, like song yes. like coming in just that warm like night where they're romancing someone <laughs> it's definitely parvifolia i just or like a Harry um, potter spell <laughs> listen <laughs> okay wait a minute so funny funny thing and tying back to your teen titans thing so there so the thornless honey locust right every time i say the name like this is how i remember it is from teen titans okay the name the scientific name for Thornless honey locust, Glodizia triacanthos, variety, and nermus. And I would think of Raven from, <laughs> from Teen Titans. <laughs> Literally, the way that I would say it is the same way that she would say, like, her spell. Yes, and... triacanthos. Yes, except I would say triacanthos. <laughs> which is like, I mean, plant identification, it has to be really personal because there are, so, like, millions of species of plants out there and we've only maybe named... I want to say, like, somewhere around, like, two... No, I think it's actually, like, 900,000, if I'm not mistaken. Well, now that you're getting all educated and whatnot, my, like, gardening style is very hillbilly. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, our conversations entertain me in that way. Because I'll know something by its hillbilly name. And you sometimes won't, and you'll be like, oh, I know what that is. And you say this long name, I'm like, yeah, what I said. (laughs) Like, it works the same way. And then with these invasive arguments where it's like, well, this is what I consider invasive. If it is a problem, like it's something like with honeysuckle, as much as it is invasive, yeah. I see it as like, not only does it have all these definitions that go with invasive is it technically kills the other trees just because deer don't eat it. Like creatures won't eat it. And thus they eat everything else and it can't, it takes all the sunlight, takes all the nutrients and keeps taking over. And so it's just very funny that like, 
you're the educated one, and now I'm the hillbilly with all my like common names and stuff. And that's it. It is really interesting to talk about that because I I think people are able to um, people are able to see. Like I mean, obviously, people are able to see when something is a problem, um, and I don't think that they realize that like. How expansive it is. How, well, not only how expansive it is, but, like, how in tune people are. So, like, you're right. Deer don't really like to eat it, but birds eat it. Birds eat the berries. So, and then spread more seeds. And then spread more seeds. So, birds eat the berries um, of amber honeysuckle, Lonestra macchiae. Just throwing the name out there. Um, which is bush honeysuckle. And... It's like you're taking a test, whatever you like. Well, I'm just like, I feel like I need to throw it out there so that way you know. Like, so... The reason why you learn the scientific names is because they're, that is the name of the plant. It is universal. Like, I could go to Japan and I could say Lonestra macchiae and they would know that I'm talking about amber honeysuckle. If I say, like, bush honeysuckle, they're going to be like, what the fuck I is this guy talking about? I imagine you, like, grabbing about? someone and saying that and they just stare You're like, Lonestra <laughs> macchiae! I will <laughs> take you, I will like, take you to the nearest honeysuckle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, well, I guess anyone who's, you know, like in botany or in horticulture, they'd understand. Um, but, uh, oh, so Lonus Ramachiae, Amber Honeysuckle, it, it does, in theory, there, there are like working theories that it actually does produce, uh, toxins in its roots. And that's what stops things from germinating so another tree that does that which they're this is kind of up for debate right now but black walnut trees black walnut even the wood is toxic because there Mm -hmm. were people in the warehouses when they were processing the wood that would get cancers and get sick and they had to like throw those loans out and yeah the walnuts like they tarnish the ground nothing grows around a black walnut yeah you can get like some native species that have evolved with it will kind of grow and then obviously turf. I mean, they just all doesn't... look so sad though. They're like yeah. master. Like, they're well, it kind of reminds me. And that's of an vultures. Like when you have, because were you telling me that Julie that like vultures when they have like a vulture tree, it just yeah, <laughs> it they have, they're like owls where they throw up instead of having like poop or defecation, they throw up, and so all the stomach acid starts eating away and killing the trees they nest in. Wow. Well, and so you get these weird vulture trees that they double kill. <laughs> well, it's really weird and it bothers me a lot now because I don't know why, but the place where I work, there's this weird tendency that every once in a while a ton of vultures will show up. Like it'll be like 20 vultures. <laughs> oh, no. And not like at my work, but it's like near my work. So when I'm driving home, I'm like, I am very frightened. <laughs> Oh, no. We had a vulture tree, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, god damn it. Like, they're going to kill everything. It was right on the cover, like, front of my woods. And then I have a generation after generation, we get these red-tailed hawks. Mm. She was fucking mad. She chased every single one of them off. Like, get the hell out of here. I bet. I bet. Yeah. She was aggressive. So we've been talking about all these invasive species and, like, more specifics. But to the common person, what are what are some of the things you want them to know? Okay, um, well, first of all, being able to identify the species is probably the most important thing. Um, if you are currently driving in the Midwest, or probably anywhere, and you notice that there is a lot of white trees. A beautiful flowering tree. Yes, a lot of beautiful <laughs> flowering white trees along the interstates, probably your private residence, roads, 
Um, that is most likely, because I doubt that it's uh, your magnolias, that's most likely calorie pear or Bradford pear. Um, it is an Asiatic pear tree. Um, the scientific name for it is uh, Iris caloriana. Calariana. See, that just sounds aggressive. Or like Rihanna. He eats a pirate. Kind of. Well, the, <laughs> the pear that we eat is Pyrus communis. Mm-hmm. The common pear. Yes, the common pear. Um, so, See, I got learning. I got yeah, learning, people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, it I told you, I'm going to be a terror. The common pear. <laughs> that's what it's, it's the pear for the poor folk. Yeah, that's what we <laughs> not that fancy okay. Asian pear. Yeah, not no. Asian pears here. Well, you don't really even want to eat the pear off of a calorie pear. No, right? no. wait. Do you in in Asia do, do they call it an Asian pear? That's, that's yeah. The they thing have that a tree that's called an Asian pear. Yeah. Or is it a common well, pear I think... to them? <laughs> no, well, I got. They well, don't call it, it a common be. pear. But no, it's based on the name as well. That's why I said common pear, because yeah. of how the Latin goes with it. Theirs is like, I don't know what theirs is called, though. So um, the, I don't know the scientific name, I guess I should say. I'm not sure, because there are, like, I mean, I guess it depends on the variety or the cultivar. Plus, I don't, we don't really want to grow that. So, the calorie pear, unfortunately, is like, it's kind of akin to, like, Frankenstein's monster. Um, it's doing what it's doing, and that's what, oh, Yeah. I can't say that. <laughs> I will butcher that word. Um, we I have, have to have what an Asian pear is called. And it's it's like nothing like that. N- Nisajiki? It's something, something Asian. Well, no, like the species name, like he was saying, like you can go to another botanist and it's the exact same name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like there's just sounds really Asian. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an Asian pear. It's like, right. you know, the periodic table of elements, right? So you can go to somebody and you can say like, this is nitrogen. And they're going to be like, right. Right. <laughs> That's not called anything else. <laughs> they're like, it's definitely, I mean. Okay. So every time you talk about this, this just reminds me, I saw this meme or something recently where it was like talking about this guy who he studied ancient Greek or something. And he was in Greece and he didn't know modern <laughs> Greek. So he yeah. was at a hotel and they were like, oh, and I need to stay at this hotel for another night, but he didn't know how to say it. So he, like, went to his old textbook and, like, pulled up an old story of, like, this thing where it was, like, Jason asking somebody, like, that he needed to stay at a hotel. And he gave it to the lady, and she was like, okay, but did she (laughs) let him stay? I just imagine it being like that, like, you're in Japan, and you're like, I want this... And somebody's like, oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, all right. Why are you speaking Latin? But okay. I guess we got the same lines going. Exactly. Take me to this tree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it it is nice to have that that commonality. Granted, I'm sure that there are plenty more, you know. There's other things language barriers, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, if I do go to Japan, you know, plants are definitely one of the things that I want to see. Um, you know what else I learned? So, the, going off of the name thing, um, not to tangent too far, but like, pothos is pothos, and bonsai is bonsai. <laughs> Everybody and, could be ashamed now. And I literally, it's I I get. I'm not, like, chastised. Also, I do want to say, so, everybody calls it a tulip poplar, but it is not a tulip poplar. It's a tulip tree, because 
It's actually in the Magnolia family. It's not in the Populous family with, like, the Aspens and the Poplars. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I've had people correct me many times for saying it. Um, But, I mean, people still call it I will die. People will still call it Tulip Poplar. However, you can eat, um, well, drink the nectar from the Tulip Poplar flowers. Tulip tree flowers. (laughs) Yes. That's one of my crowning achievements is Krista was like, Julie, there's a tree on my street. And I really like it, and I don't know what it is. And I went, bet you right now I know what it is, because of the blooming time. And I was like, I bet it's a tulip poplar. She's like, I don't know. And we go up, I'm like, bitch, it's tulip poplar. <laughs> You're like, I, I knew, knew it. Because <laughs> yeah. I knew where they're blooming time. And she's like, it has these weird flowers. I was like, yep. <laughs> I will tulip say poplar. that for me, half of what has gotten me into plants has either been, A, the amount of trees that are in my neighborhood. Because I don't, I don't really understand what is up with my neighborhood, but they like to fucking grow trees <laughs> nice there's like almost any kind of tree that you can think of in my neighborhood i don't they just really grow trees here um but then also i think so, i mean again some of it's from julie and it'll just be like me coming across a plant and it's like well i'm gonna try to plant this in my crappy garden because i have i keep saying this i have this terrible garden on the side of my house i need to fix it and apparently instead of fixing it all that i do is i just keep putting random crap in there (laughs) and i'm like i wonder if it'll grow (laughs) hey you know what that's like the best way to learn though the thing is is any good horticultural oh my god horticulturalist (laughs) will tell you or even a botanist you're going to kill a plant. Like, it's just going to happen. You're going to kill them. It's going to happen. Like, my personal weakness is succulents. For the love of God. <laughs> I If I could keep a succulent alive, I would be the proudest person on this planet. I can, like, I have some pretty, like, pretty intense houseplants. Um, perfectly fine. Like, perfectly fine. Like, super sensitive things. Things that would, like... Like, carnivorous plants, which are super picky about, like, what their soil matrix is. Like, what it's just... But, like, a succulent, I, like, forget about it for way too long. Everyone's like, oh, you just, like, forget about it and water it every once in a while. And I come back, like, three months later and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're dead. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my bad. (laughs) And so I just, like... And it's funny because, like, I do... Actually, I do have that one succulent for me that has magically stayed alive. And I don't know how the hell it has... I literally... it's, It's in, like... So the pot has no drainage hole. And I think that that's, like, why it's still alive. Um, Because, like, I'll just, like, pour a bunch of water in there. and then You're good for a month. (laughs) All right, goodbye. Um, Or aloe. I guess aloe is technically a succulent. Uh, It's a very forgiving succulent. Try and kill me. (laughs) I have, like, 700 pups that have come off of that thing. And I'm like, I don't know. I finally got mine to stop breeding. I'm like, yeah, you suffer now. (laughs) (laughs) You're done. (laughs) Stop it, woman. (laughs) Um... But I'm always, I'm just like, hi, I like the way that they look, but no one is ever allowed to give me a succulent again because I just feel like. I'm... I gave you a rare desert black rose. You killed it, didn't you? <laughs> no, I think that's the one. Is that's it like that blue pot? One. That's the one I gave you in the like glass geo thing. No, it's dead. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I'm sorry. I can't. I don't know what my problem is. I can't is. keep a string of pearls alive. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, they're so pretty. Fuck. <laughs> my string of hearts is actually doing really well right now. My string of hearts lives. Yes. Um, I think all of anyway. my bushes keep dying. I don't know why. It's like every time I have a bush, it just dies. <laughs> okay. Did your smoke bush die? <gasps> my smoke bush is still fine. But it's like every other bush keeps dying. 
and I really I don't understand why. Smoke bush is smoking them out. Okay, <laughs> yeah. listen, that don't is a phenomenal. Smoke no, bush. no, <laughs> I was about to say that is a phenomenal plant. I love it. Okay, so that's Catinus. That's the genus, and then um. That sounds like a Greek. Like, hold on, I have to. It's I. Catinus. Cotinus, C O T I N U S, Cotinus. Like um, so close co- to your highness, but with a really I think harsh it's... consonant. Okay, so I'm going to mispronounce this, but its species name is, it's like Cogigria. Um, it's like C. Okay, now you're a barbarian. <laughs> I don't know. The way you're saying that is definitely Cogigria. the hillbilly way. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the thing is, is I can, like, if I can, like, point to it and say, this is Cotinus something. Somebody will be like, all right, I got it. Yeah, I got it. You're Close good. Enough, bro. <laughs> um, but no, Cotinus is a really great plant. They get really, really pretty and super wispy in the winter, and they're really fun. Um, their flowers are really cool. Uh, yeah, no, it's I like 10 out of 10. It's actually, it is a really good plant to grow here. Um, it definitely is something that I would I would try to continue to invest in. I, I think my whole gift. thing is, is I just want all the plants that are super colorful you know, the bright yellow, I, I really still want my um, sacrificial Japanese maple. I'm looking forward to that it. blood red one. Okay, but I will have to say, after listening to the gardening episode, you are not allowed to have that red bush, Krista. That red bush, that is uh, winged lattice. That's a burning bush. That is an invasive species. That's what I said. Oh, no. You did say it. Burning bush. You did say it, but you're not allowed to have it. It's very bad. It's very invasive. No. I don't actually. I actually don't think that they sell it anymore. Or if they don't, they're not supposed to. Or if they do, they're not supposed to. Rather, well, can the fire willow? Like well, can't I have yeah. the sacrificial Japanese it. maple though? You can have a Japanese maple. You are allowed to have that. Okay. You should get the um the half moon one. The half moon one's green. Um, they have a red cultivar. Did they? Yeah, I've only seen it green. But um, I want one. But they're really cool. They're they're uh. Like they're like more maples. rounded instead of the lacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They're really cool. See, I know. <laughs> um. So, I don't know. I, I think, you know, there is a plant for every location, but I I think you have to pick the right plant for the, the location. Um, man has been very... Uh, Flagrant. Well, I was going to say <laughs> insistent on putting things where they don't necessarily belong. Well, just look and, at the... If you see that in birds, too, like with the starling. Fuck mm-hmm. starlings! Yeah, and starlings it's like they shouldn't have been here. Never should have been. Certain squirrels are also bad. Squirrels are invasive. I don't, I'm not really big fan of squirrels. Man just going around with their plants, <laughs> plants like up. fucking savages. Yes. <laughs> fucking hey, savages. Of man's going around planting plants. Did y'all? Oh, well, I can't say this. <laughs> <laughs> not loud. Not loud. I'm like, never mind. Yeah, so I guess we can talk about how I work at an arboretum. That was a really interesting opportunity that I fell into because of school. And. I will say, with my initial start into, you know, the world of plants, I was never really a big fan of, like, woody plants. I didn't really care about woody plants. Um, I mean, I guess I did. Like, when I would, like, hike and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, that's a cool-looking tree. Uh, But now, I'm like, holy shit. Give me some fucking woody plants. Like, our (laughs) range of plants are cool because you have, you know, your annuals that are pretty, but most of them are patented plants, so you can't really do anything with them. With me, it was all about woody plants and tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes are cool. It's my jam. Um, Nightshade. Well, but now well, you like so tulips, Well, did you right? know? What? Tulips do. Yeah. Tulips. Bulbs. The bulbs. Okay, fun fact about that. tulips. Did you know that it crashed the Dutch economy? Yes, I did. <laughs> Literally. And there was like, the, there was a whole period that was called tulipomania. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had to cut it from the 
So, oh, I don't know, maybe yeah. you can leave that in here to as, like... As a, you, yeah, there's a whole book on, like, the uh, Botany of Desire, where they talk about, like, Julie, how plants we... have evolved through yes. humans, like, yes. cultivating them and moving them. The tulips are, like, one of the huge ones that's, like... Tulips, apples, potatoes, and marijuana. Yeah, it's like, I guess you evolved to have us love you, and now you're everywhere. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, we... Did you watch the documentary, The Botany of Desire? No, I read it when I was... Way too young. <laughs> uh, you should watch it. The documentary, you can find it. I think it's like a PBS documentary, but we watched it in Botany. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, which is where I learned the, the tulipomania thing. Um, well, wow, full circle. We get <laughs> close to the end of this episode, I do see that we have some fun facts. So I didn't want that to get completely cut. Are there any, maybe besides uh, how tulips ruined the Dutch economy. <laughs> That's a fun fact. <laughs> Tell us some other fun, fun facts. <laughs> so um, these kind of aren't fun facts. They're kind of sad facts. <laughs> They're just facts. People. These are the but... <laughs> horrible truth facts. <laughs> Here's the horrible truth. Thank you, Al Gore. You can't handle the truth. Um but they, they do need to be said. And I think it is very important to kind of understand this. So I didn't really get to talk about soil microbes. Uh, soil is very important. Just point blank. Um, if you have any questions, because I don't want to talk too much about it, but you should definitely check out um, regenerative agriculture. Super cool. Super cool topic. The Soil Health Institute. Um, they have a YouTube channel. You can go find them. They have a really great one hour long documentary. 10 out of 10, I recommend it. Um, it's all about essentially using like cover cropping and making sure and maintaining plant health as a form of like pest resistance. So you're not actually like spraying with chemicals. You're not using pesticides. Um, you're just trying to have a healthy plant and healthy soil. And by using those practices through regenerative agriculture, um, the plant will naturally defend itself. An unhappy plant is what attracts pests. That's I tend to do that with companion plants. Mm-hmm. I like, I really like the idea of companion planting, that plants are meant to grow together and have a system. So like, for example, if people who don't understand the whole idea behind companion planting is I grow peppers and basil together mm-hmm. and basil keeps a lot of the pests that like peppers off of them because they don't like basil. And I do the same thing even when I'm beekeeping. I'll do mint around the edge of the hive because ants hate it. They won't go near it. And so even if your plant is weakened, if you have these other components strengthening it and keeping it healthier, that works a lot better than trying to put pesticides down. Because you're trying to help the plant life and the life in the area. You don't want to punish anything because you wanted a tomato. Definitely. And it can create resistance within different species. So, you know, it might not work, you know, so many years down the road, they'll just become resistant to it. Um, But soil health is super important. If you're planting anything, I highly recommend you get a soil test of whatever location. Um, it's like 25 bucks. You can send it out to wherever you live. I'm sure there's like a soil institute. Um, essentially, they like burn the soil and they find out like it's all of the minerals that are in it, the 17 <laughs> elements that are important for plant growth. That's, sorry, I just thought of like doctors from the 1700s where they're like, you got ghosts in your blood. And so I thought like the same thing with soil. Where it's like, there's ghosts in your soil. Burn it. <laughs> burn it. Is that what's wrong with my side garden? I'm yeah, haunted be. by that frog <laughs> that you keep trying to find. Well, <laughs> it's because um, of that frog. It's that stupid frog. It was a totem. Probably. <laughs> At least a lot of plastic chemicals into your uh, 
Yeah. Make sure thing. Do, <laughs> do you live in like a neighborhood, like a subdivision? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, evil soil. <laughs> well, and, and I was about to say it's probably your soil, to be completely honest. So, um, a lot of soil that's in subdivisions is usually really terribly compacted. Yeah, um, they scrape the topsoil off. They scrape the topsoil off, and then they bring in topsoil from other places to like fill it in. Um, so, honestly, I would recommend you, Krista, getting a soil test <laughs> to kind of figure out what you need. Um, because that really would end up helping. Cold open I, for the next episode. My t- I, soil test proved I have ghosts in this. <laughs> I, I recommend you, Krista, burn that garden down. <laughs> burn the shit down. Burn it. <laughs> um, hopefully you don't have any hyper accumulator plants. <laughs> I, I don't know. At this point, I just figure if I just keep putting plants in there, something's going to happen. All the decomposition hey, you know of all true. the plants dying will create better soil. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that is... That, you know, in theory, that should work. Um, it might take, like, a while. Um, years. Which brings me to my fun fact. Um, so, only about 7% of the Earth's soil is arable, meaning we can grow in it. This is a this is a shed-a-tear moment. Um, it is estimated that by 2050, we will have to up our agricultural production by about 70%. Uh, however, we have destroyed most of our arable soils um, via urbanization and suburbanization, specifically. Um, yeah, Krista. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean it's so pointed, but it, it is true. Suburbs have really kind of done a number on ecosystems. Um, and spoiler alert, soil is a non-renewable resource within our lifetime. It does take approximately 100 years to uh, create a dime's worth, like literally a dime, of arable soil. And a lot of that comes from the breakdown um, of whatever matter and the buildup of humic acid or humus, not hummus, humus. Don't eat humus. It's <laughs> no, acid. Um, it's going to taste like crap. Uh, <laughs> and but, death. And death. Um, but humic acid is what gives plants its nutrients, um, and it's important for cation exchange capacity. That could go into a whole bunch. So everybody needs to buy up country land and put a bunch of topsoil down and then wait 100 years and die, and then... Well, maybe forward. not. You just buy the land and then try to, you know, fix it. So no-till practicing is really important. Don't disturb your soil. Don't compact it. Um, don't let it erode. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of don'ts, but the thing is, is the, you know, soil is really where it starts. Like, the earth. Like, you, you can smell good soil. Like, it doesn't smell bad. Like, if you take a handful of soil, like, you can taste it. Like, people who grow grapes for wine eat their dirt. Yeah. Because Weird that's enough. where the flavor comes from. Um, so soil is super important. You want to make sure that you really take care of that soil, especially the microbes and the little biome that lives within soil. And However, also do your soil a favor when you buy this like garden and you live there with your multi generational family and plan your death accordingly so you can die in the soil in the best spot. <laughs> yes, yeah, and yes. the bones. Exactly. Don't put a bunch of formaldehyde in your body. That's a conversation. Yeah, that's, for another, another. that's another conversation. <laughs> um. However, I will say I do want to segue into another point that is kind of also sad. So earthworms, um, specifically in our area and in most areas, earthworms, uh, red wigglers, wigglers, and nightcrawlers are invasive. Uh, they did not, they did not live here. So where we are, uh, used to actually be covered by a glacier. Yeah. Um, like tens of thousands of years ago, and therefore worms did not live here. Oh so what gosh, happened is the after the glacier. <laughs> What? Where the worms, Where the worms come, worms come from? from? Um, well, people. 
So, (laughs) well, well, okay. So they came from other areas. (laughs) They They put them in their pocket. Yeah. So they came from other areas. Mostly, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like plains areas. Um, But forests specifically should not have worms in them. And they do. So the reason why they're bad for the forest ecosystem is because they break down the leaf matter and the plant matter way too quickly. And then what happens is, is the soil in the forest is no longer fertile to sustain new germination. Um, so if you are going to buy worms, please either dispose of them properly or don't buy them at all. Or if you are using them for compost, because they are good for compost, um, like earthworm castings are phenomenal, but um, make sure that they're contained. Don't like If you go fishing, don't throw your bait out in the river don't throw it out, you know, wherever you're at, because you're just contributing to um, harm. An to endless ecosystem. problem. <laughs> An endless problem. And like the thing is, is like there are so many worms. Like you're not, you know, we're not going to do anything about that. Like we probably won't even be able to do anything about uh, Bradford pear or amber honeysuckle. But if you see it and you are able to take it out, um, like I will say, honeysuckle. There's a thing. It's called a honeysuckle popper. It's a specific tool that you can literally, it's kind of like a crowbar type shovel, mm-hmm. and you put it underneath the tap root of the honeysuckle, and it literally pops it out of the ground. Yeah, we're doing, what we do is we uh, chainsaw them to the ground, and then we paint them with this, like, condensed pesticide. So instead of it spreading or whatever, it's like paint. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like paint. We put it on the top and kill it. But we leave the brush for all the creatures to, like, nest or do whatever they want through the winter, and then we pull it out and burn it in the spring. Yeah. Just make sure it doesn't have fruit on it. Right. Yeah. Because then it will just grow. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We do it before they fruit. We're just like, nope, bitch. Um, no fruiting. Yes. And that, you know, that's the, just being able to identify and remove if you can. Um, and then also planting for pollinators is a really big thing. Uh, so you do want to make sure honeybees are great. They're fantastic. But technically they're not native. They are not native. They are <laughs> European. The US, we really. ship them in. Yeah. Um, they're phenomenal for almond production. Uh, that's kind of like what the main use of them is for. However, there are other pollinators out there in your native areas that are very important. So everybody talks about the bees, and yes, we do need to be uh, cognizant of the bees, but you also need to be cognizant of the beetles, the flies, and other bugs. So solitary pollinators, um, like even like the carpenter bee or, you know, your bumblebee, they don't live necessarily in hives. Well, maybe in no, definitely. They don't live in long-term they, hives. Yes. They don't sustain through winter. They migrate. Yeah. Um, and they actually pollinate more than their Wasps hives. are a huge pollinator for very specific plants mm-hmm. and things. And technically, most wasps don't attack you. People are thinking of yellow jackets and hornets, which are invasive. Yes. They're German. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> stupid hornets. They're bad. Jackets. I will never forget the time that you told me that you were sitting outside uh, of your beehive because it was being attacked and you were just like killing what was it yellow jackets <laughs> yeah, one yellow by jackets. one <laughs> yellow jackets one by one and yeah, you were just, just like, like crying you're like no my bees <laughs> it was hours of this raid oh my <laughs> god like, popping them fuckers oh yeah i call it their Valhalla period because yellow jackets they don't live through the winter the queen goes and hibernates so then in the fall they have this period of just like i'm gonna die soon and my hive is gone. I'm just going to go pill- rape and pillage. And that's what they do. So it's like their Valhalla period. Fuckers. <laughs> Kill them all. Kill them all. Kill um, the hornets. 
<laughs> Save kill the beat hornets. Kill the hornets. Yes. I had another fun fact, but uh, it seems to have eluded me. Um, this episode is very different from our Harry Potter episodes. It is. It's very <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you want to finish out the episode by, you know, shitting on our podcast, you're welcome to do that. <laughs> That'd be a what? good little... <laughs> Shit on the podcast? Never! We had an episode about podcasts, and now you're gonna be like, now, as an outside listener, this is what I think of your podcast. I don't know. I definitely, I definitely enjoy it. Like, um, there... Even mean, if you weren't my friend. Well, that's what, like... well, that's what I'm like. I, I do think that even if I wasn't your friend, I would enjoy it. Maybe there are some things that I'm kind of whatever about. Like, personally, I didn't really care about the Yu-Gi-Oh! episode, so I pushed that. That's everyone's like, that's <laughs> a big hitter. That's I know. That's over 100 listens. I know, I've heard. All the other ones are, like, under two digits. <laughs> and I, like, I don't know why, but, like, I mean, I don't know. I just didn't like it, but I don't really care for Yu-Gi-Oh! I think I did when I was younger, but now I'm just kind of... I'm, um, I don't you know, honestly guys... know why so many people are into it. Yeah, I mean, we don't understand. I don't just get it. A filler. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's just not a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh content out there. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I I don't know. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Um, well, you like the super fights. So I do really. Yes, I do really like the super fights. And if anybody listens to this episode, which I hope they do, because there's a lot of information that I just dumped on all of you. Listen to the Super Fights episode, because I think it is definitely one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I was cackling in class listening to this while drawing landscape designs. And people were looking at me like I was insane, but the game, I think, was a lot of fun. And I think it's, I don't know, I just think it's original content. I haven't really listened to a podcast that's done something like that, per se. Um, I've seen them, like, play games, but not anything like that. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Well, I think... To officially round out this episode, we've kind of gone over, you know, what we think you should do or what you can do to help the environment. And a lot of it's little things. It sounds huge. Like, it sounds like you're taking on the planet when really we're just asking you to look in your yard or your parents' yard and go, hey, that shouldn't be here. Yeah. And have those kinds of thoughts and try to answer these questions of what does that do? How does that impact? If I can help, just think of plants as more like entities. Don't think of them as just background or randomly there. Oh, no, they're alive. They're alive. Like, think of them as, like, what is it doing to the environment? Is it good? Is it bad? Does it need help? Does it need to be taken out? Having those conversations with yourself, with your family, with your friends who have property, because not everybody has a yard necessarily, but you can have those conversations. Just keep your eyes open to that. And, I mean, there's always the conversation of recycle and do all these other things, and it's really tangible it doesn't feel like it's doing a lot but it's putting all these steps in place and you can always just keep going and keep looking is there anything either of you would have to say like to help the planet or to help the environment or even just have an interest in gardening like just a last tidbit um well if you like to be outside i would recommend just exploring it it's very meditative it's very peaceful it really puts you in the moment and i think that's why i really enjoyed it i always been like a go 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 checking off my to-do list type of person and in this industry um which really needs good people um like good helpers but in this industry it it's one of those things where you kind of have to take a step back and you do have to wait um the saying is slow to grow slow to show so you know you can plant a plant and you might not know for months even years if it's going to die like it might do its thing and you might be like all right whatever but it's just take your time, um, you know, respect yourself and be kind to yourself. 
when you're gardening, like if you kill something, if you kill a houseplant, don't like beat yourself up about it. You're going to do it. Everybody's got to learn somehow. And you just got to keep trying. I mean, you know, the, the planet, the, the fact is, is the planet will find a way to heal with itself. With or without us. <laughs> with or without us, it will heal itself. That, that's just, it's, it's going to do what it's going to do. And either we can be a part of it or we can you know, be, the be, be the problem. <laughs> and I think, you know, nobody really wants to be the problem. So Plus, I will say from my perspective, it is very nice when you do actually plant a plant and then it comes up. It's There's something, uh, because my daffodils. Your daffodils! My daffodils <laughs> came up. Um, and I actually, I replanted some hydrangeas uh, last year because my mom had them and she was like, fixing her land so they were gonna get cut down or whatever so I took them to my house and they came back up and I I was like oh my gosh they live I did it I did it so I've been kind of happy about that definitely and you should be proud of yourself I think that that's you know it is a really exciting moment when you're able to do something like that and you are even with just little daffodils you are helping the environment I mean they photosynthesize Photosynthesis is the basis of all life. And just you wait. And just you wait how much I'm going to help the environment with my sacrificial blood Japanese maple. Do it. It's going to add a lot of value <laughs> to your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's one of the few plants that actually adds technical landscape value to your house. Yeah. Because all other trees are like considered a possible danger or problem or like pruning issue. But since they grow so slowly, they add value to your house, which is why tons of houses have them. Like thousands of dollars. Like you can really increase your market value with some good plants. There you go. That's why your whole suburb is like uh, Japanese maples all around because we need to increase the value of this house. It's probably true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to do it. Um, and also, wear gloves because things yeah. are sharp and scary and stuff. <laughs> Don't plant knockout roses. Those are stupid. Yeah, they're very dumb. Go get you some English roses like a real gardener would. And don't plant tree roses because those are also stupid. They're That's technically still just regular roses. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Just rapid fire advice. <laughs> okay. Do not meatball. Do not toper and topiary. That's stupid. It's going to kill the plant. And that's part of the reason why we have boxwood blight. Do not top your trees. That's stupid, but also don't plant your trees under things that are, they're going to have to be topped, like power lines and cable lines. Don't over prune and don't prune out of season. Don't over prune. Follow the three D, it's the three Ds, dead, damaged, and diseased. You are allowed to prune those things, but you should prune no more than 25% of a tree at any given time. Do not lion tail prune your trees. That means like pruning all the branches up until the end so they look like lions. Don't do that. That's bad. You're going to kill your trees. They're going to fall over. Don't grow any ivy outside, you bastards. Don't grow English (laughs) ivy. However, the variegated stuff where we live, it doesn't go to seed. Like, it doesn't... um, I mean... It still takes over your goddamn house. Yeah, (laughs) so it kind of depends. If you have a more modern house, you should be fine. But if you have, like, a house that was, like, built in the 1800s, don't do it. Because it's going to destroy it. Yeah, it's going to (laughs) kick your ass. And as Um, much as everyone loves wisteria, it requires a lot of... Japanese wisteria. You can grow American wisteria. That's wisteria uh, frutescens. Do not, do not plant wisteria floribunda. Which That's is the one everyone Japanese. wants. That is the one with the long panicles, but the one the American wisteria is really pretty as well. It's just small. It's and nobody small. cares about it. Everybody wants the big yes. dramatic Japanese ones. Okay. Um, what else? Do not plant another goddamn calorie pear. Uh, we will find you. I and will, we will take you out down. your family. I will hunt you, you down. Those stupid fucking pears. Um, can I, can I grow a bleeding heart? Is that okay? 
Bleeding hearts are fine. Dicentra is like native to the area. Yeah. Okay. If you want some good bushes, you should look into Carolina allspice. Uh, you should look into um, uh, spice bush. That's a native one. Um, you could look into, I think here, I mean, in other areas, it might be an issue. Um, but here, you could technically grow Nandina, which is heavenly bamboo. Um, I would just be careful. You could definitely grow hydrangeas. Those are very great plants. Um, you could grow red twig dogwoods and yellow twig dogwoods. Those would be great for you, Krista, because you like the color. Um, all you have to do is prune out the old canes because they don't look Well, she so also cool. wants Forsythia. Definitely grow Forsythia. Great plant. Yeah. That bright yellow one. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. could grow either Anne Magnolia or Magnolia Stellata, the star magnolia, because they're kind of more bushy. But they smell. There are so many well, magnolias, in, not in this state, but the state just below us. It's like yeah. dozens of types of magnolias because we went uh, zip lining. And I was just like, that's a magnolia. That's this. That's this. Yeah. I was like, tell them all about it. The arboretum that I work at, um, we have some really nice magnolias. Yeah. Um, and there are, like, I was actually driving over here. There are people who have, like, one really nice southern magnolia in every single yard. And I'm like, yeah. wow, all right. That's what we do here. There's <laughs> just, like, one really nice magnolia. And I'm like, all right. Thanks for listening on our holiday special and our first guest of the year. On the next episode, we're having a quarterly episode that we're trying to do. We're going to talk about current events again. So you get to hear us rant about... Horizon Forbidden West and Batman at least. I don't know what Chris is playing, but those are my two heavy hitters. <laughs>64 was like the newest console and i wasn't like allowed to play it for more than like 30 minutes i was allowed to have it because it made me gay so yeah exactly it was very easy to become gay and you know speaking of which you know luke you married another man and you know that's like about the gayest thing that you could do so gay. Pretty gay. And you had a Nintendo 64. It's you know, it's all lining up. Maybe your parents had it right. I don't know. I mean, I had a Nintendo 64 as well, but okay. Goddamn Donkey Kong and Princess Peach. Four, I work at a better arboretum than Spring Grove Cemetery. Ha ha, eat that, Dave Gressley.